Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Well, hello. I think you're going to have some fun with this next guest here who who frames things a little bit differently. If you think, oh, I'm supposed to have all the answers because I'm in charge of this sort of a situation, Dr. Michael Marquard says that's not so much the case. It's about having the right questions. He has made a career out of studying uh, questions and what makes them great and and written all about them. So uh, you're going to learn, one, how to use questions to solve problems and build relationships. Two, What exactly makes a question great in the first place? And three, how to avoid disempowering questions. So a bit about Mike here. Uh, Dr. Michael Marquardt is a senior consultant with Aspire Consulting, professor of human resource development, international affairs, and program director of overseas programs at George Washington University. Mike also serves as president of the World Institute for Action Learning. He's held a number of senior management, training, and marketing positions in major organizations. Dr. Marquardt has trained more than 100,000 managers in nearly 150 countries. He's consulted many major organizations such as Microsoft, the United Nations Development Program, Samsung, Singapore Airlines, and the governments of Indonesia, Zambia, Saudi Arabia, Russia, Honduras, Swaziland, and many others. Mike is the author of 24 books and over 100 professional articles in the fields of leadership, learning, globalization, and organizational change. He has received the International Practitioner of the Year Award from the American Society for Training and Development. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to things mentioned here, you're going to find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep. And if you just want the takeaways faster, go ahead and sign up for the Gold Nugget email list over at awesomeatyourjob.com where you can get some of the key takeaways in an email you can read in under two minutes. And now, here's Mike. Mike, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Good to be with you all. Oh boy, I was getting a real kick out of reading your extensive bio with all of the, the travels and organizations that you, you've worked in and helped out with. I'd like to know kind of the backstory. How did you get so fascinated by the, the notions of, of learning and questions in the first place? I think it came from my mother. My mother always encouraged us to ask questions. And uh, so I started there and uh, I became a professor at George Washington University about 20 years ago. And uh, when you become a professor, they ask for a research agenda area you're interested in. And I said, I'm very interested in questions. And so I I did research for many years, uh, going to whom I felt were the best leaders from around the world who worked for the top organizations. And I asked them what were the kind of questions they ask and when they ask them and why they ask them. I also did, you know, a lot of reading and research, what political leaders and religious leaders and so forth, what types of questions they ask. So it's a fascinating topic that uh, I think all of us really uh, should be intrigued with and do more of. So uh, that's how I got interested. It started at a very early age when my mother encouraged me to ask questions. Oh, that's super. And it's so funny. Here I am asking you a series of questions. And I guess you could critique me afterwards about how they were suboptimal or, or could be improved. And I'll welcome okay. that. I love feedback. So questions are fascinating. But can you also tell us, you know, why are they important for the, the typical professional? Like what difference do questions make and, and asking the right questions make? Well, I think the first, I guess, premise to be aware of is that most leaders, most people think that they can be 
effective in their communication if they are articulate. They can be more persuasive with statements and so forth. And the actual research and practice and great leaders, they realize that you can do many things with questions that you cannot do with statements. Uh, questions enable people to be motivated more. It helps people to, to listen better, to, to show respect to each other. People tend to hear questions. And when you ask questions, you hear what they're saying. And so deep down, all of us love to be asked a question, which gives us an opportunity of showing some capability of shining in front of another person. And it builds friendships and relationships. So questions not only help uh, you to solve problems in a creative way, you could not through statement, you could not do through statements, but it also increases the quality of your relationships. It helps you in solving problems, helps you be uh, more of a, a systems thinker. Uh, it energizes people around you. And uh, I discovered early in life, and it's been proven ever since, that great people, great leaders ask great questions. And if you ask great questions, you'll be perceived and, and seen by others as a, a wonderful person and a great leader. I'm intrigued in particular. So in your book, you cite the Center for Creative Leadership study on the most successful executives. And that was one of the top findings is that they were asking some some great questions and it made that a part of their regular communications. Sort of what are some of the, the big takeaways from that research? Well, I, I think the uh, when I did my research and building a Center for Creative Leadership, I went to the the best leaders in the top organizations. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went to these people. Then I said, what are the questions you ask? And when do you ask them? And how do you ask them? And, and for what purposes and so forth? And it reconfirmed, I think, what uh, the Center for Creative Leadership and many other folks have stated over the years. Uh, uh, one of the, the quotes I like to use frequently is one by Peter Drucker, uh, who is considered the top management theorists over the past 50 years. He mm -hmm. passed away a couple of years ago. And he said the leader of the past was someone who made statements, who had the answers. And the leader of the future is the one who has questions. And so you cannot be a great leader or even a good leader, I think, in today's environment if you do not know how to ask great questions. And well, so now I'm chomping at the bit. So, so tell us, you know, what are the questions? How do they ask them? When do they ask them? A great question is oftentimes depends upon the situation, the person. And to ask a great question, it requires being, you know, aware of where that person is. And oftentimes a great question is built upon a response to some earlier questions that uh, provide information for the the questioner to ask an, a greater and greater question. But uh, I like to give the example, the power of a question. My wife, who is a medical doctor, an OBGYN, and after we had four children, uh, we decided she'd go back to college. She wanted to be a teacher. And she went to uh, a course at a community college and they had a, a career day. And at the career day, they had uh, questions they would ask the people who attended that uh, event. And the first question, you know, what do you think your career will be? And she, she wrote down, uh, uh, I want to be a teacher. And then they said, well, what if you could be anything you wanted to be, what would you like to be? And she said, well, I'd like to be a biology researcher. And then third question saying, now, what if you had no restrictions, no money, worries, time, children were taken care of, whatever it would be, you could be anything you wanted to be. And she wrote down, I would like to be a doctor. 
a medical doctor. And she came home all excited by that, her, her excitement about that question and what she wanted to do in life. And of course, uh, this was 30 years ago. I was not maybe the liberated male I needed to be. <laughs> and, and she said, I would like to be a medical doctor. And I said, well, you know, Evelyn, you know, we've got four little kids. Uh, you know, being a doctor, going to medical school is going to be very difficult. Uh, I'm making enough money. We don't need to have the money. But she said, no, I want to be a medical doctor. And that question, she had to overcome my resistance in a sense. She was a woman married with four children in, in 1980. Uh, medical schools rarely accepted women, much less a woman with uh, four young children. And uh, But she overcame all those obstacles with that great question that she was asked. Oh, that is a, an exciting example. And so can you tell us also in, in workplaces, what are some of the, could you give us some additional examples of times in which the, the questions are, are just kind of transformational? Often the, the great questions need to come when a organization is working on a complex, difficult problem, challenge that they have to solve in order to achieve success. And so while they are problem solving, great questions can emerge and many questions might be why do we always do it this way? Or why don't we consider some, some other option? What would be the most ethical thing we could do in this situation? And oftentimes when you have these problem-solving groups, you try to get people with fresh perspective because they ask new and different kinds of questions. And often I, I refer to uh, one of the, probably the great questioners of all time was uh, Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he had this one question, what is the relationship between energy, mass, and speed? And that was a great question. Once you have a great question, it's only a matter of time. Either you or people around you will be able to answer that question. And uh, if you look at the history of inventions, all the great inventions in the history of the world was because the inventor asked a question that no one had asked before. All right. Uh, or had heard a question that no one had asked before. And so when you're solving a problem, oftentimes it's a question that's emerged as the group is understanding the problem. They ask something that connects things that may have never connected before. Why do you know why? How can we connect, you know, line A or point A with point B, where normally you never even look at those two divergent perspectives. And so can you can you share with us maybe some additional examples inside the workplace? Folks are looking at something. So there's one round or way it happens is through innovation. Like, hey, let's let's ask a new question that hasn't been asked before. How can we connect that? Uh, what are some additional maybe categories of great questions? Well, I think if you, uh, you know, if you got a marketing question, for example, Sony Music, they were working on how they could maintain revenue in a changing environment, you used to, to make a lot of money selling records and, and albums and so forth, and the environment changed. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had to find ways of uh, getting income from other sources. And so uh, they had a group of uh, you know six or seven different uh, managers from different parts of the organization, and they had to come up with a, a new way of, of increasing uh, revenues. And they, they asked a number of questions such as, what are the other sources of income we might get from a recording artist rather than just selling his or her records? And mm -hmm. they came up with other areas like the tours, the merchandise, getting them on television or movies, 
And they found a way that by, and they, they developed a, what they call a full services agreement that when you sign a, an agreement with Sony as an artist, you sign the full services, not only sell their, sell records, but you, they guide your tours. They uh, sell your, their merchandise for you. And, and so instead of having a high, a high school buddy help you, you've got a, a, a professional organization. You have a global company rather than a local five and 10 uh, store. And they're able to get you into movies and, and, and TV and so forth. Some of the questions they asked, they were able to take advantage of the various resources of Sony Music. But also it was a crisis that uh, they turned a, a situation in which they were losing you know, perhaps tens of millions of dollars to making tens of millions or billions of dollars with this, with the questions they asked that got them to think of totally new uh, ways of increasing revenue for the organization. One of the organizations I worked with recently is, was the National Bank of Dominica in the Caribbean. And they had a problem with uh, customer service mm. and how to improve customer service. And so they had to come up with questions that not only changed the the attitude of the uh, of the workers, the the people who were uh, clerks at the bank, but they came up with ideas that resulted in uh, some reggae music, some uniforms, new ways of of uh, decorating the office. Uh, the reward system was very different. So, in general, in response to your question, you you have to have the situation where a great question will get people to either be creative. And sometimes, you know, when you do a performance appraisal or uh, you're working with your staff, sometimes a great question is that helps you get to the target. How can we achieve this target within this time period and uh, this resource? The power of questions is that once you have the right question, the great question, the subconscious as well as the consciousness of the body comes into play. Your, your subconscious works much more with questions and it really works with statements. So you get much more creativity in your subconscious and your conscious. And so if you ask the right question at the right time, and sometimes the question is why or why not, it will cause the group to, to develop these ideas. And I say it builds relationship, it builds teams. It helps energize people uh, in a way that statements cannot do. Oh, that's that's lovely. And so I'm thinking about times the sort of day in day out we're just taking care of business getting things done and collaborating with one another uh, within those contexts what are some of the very best and and very worst uh, questions that y you see launched well often yeah you, you may have someone come into your office and say you know i don't know what to do okay you know, i've got this problem or challenge and i need your help mr supervisor or boss mm -hmm. and and oftentimes what the supervisor does is say, well, here's how you handle that situation. And really, it should he or she should respond with a question such as, what would you do? Or what are some of the challenges you are having? What are, what are some things you've never tried before? Uh, is there something that uh, in your previous work at another industry that you could apply to this situation? I think you have to challenge people when you're when you're working on day-to-day uh, -day activities. If you if you can ask a question, you get much more return, not only in terms of the ideas, but the energy, the the commitment of the person. So you know there are all kinds of questions. You, it, it'd be based upon the situation that you are in. Some people, you know, they don't have the resources, so you say, well, what are some what are some resources that are currently in the organization that you are not using? that you could use, 
uh, in marketing, you know, what are some clients or projects or groups we've never worked with? Are there some other partners inside the organization that could help us? Because typically, problems are trying us to help us do more things with less time and less resources, which is part of organizational mm -hmm. life. But even you know, when you're uh, planning a trip with you know, three or four friends, if you ask questions, oftentimes when we work on something together with another person, we make assumptions that we all understand the situation the same way. And in fact, we don't. And, and we, we, we make statements that don't make sense to each other because each of us see the situation differently. And so the only way I think a group of people can get some understanding of the situation and, and develop a, a, a strategy they can agree with is if they ask question, well, what, what's your feeling? What are you touching? What would you like to do? Lovely. And so I guess I'm, it sounds like one of the worst practices is just not asking questions at all. It's like, oh, do you have a question? Here's your answer. Done. You kind of shut it down. Is there other uh, maybe mistakes or watchouts or, or don'ts when it comes to uh, applying the question approach? As you mentioned, I think most people do not ask questions at all. They make mm -hmm. statements. Or if they do have a question, it is a, a closed question, which is forcing the person getting the question to make a choice that he or she does not want to make, or there are other choices than what you've had. Or there are questions we call disempowering questions, such as what's wrong with you? Oh, why are you always late? Why can't you get that to me? So those are questions, but they're disempowering questions or judging questions, which make the other person feel like they're being judged, they're, they don't have much worth, it takes away their energy, their commitment, their relationship, and so forth. So those kinds of questions, which are closed questions or disempowering or judgmental questions, are bad questions. And we have to convert those questions to what we call learning questions or empowering questions. So if you have instead, what's wrong with you? You know, what are some ways in which you could do this in a, in a more successful way? Or have you, what are some other options? Or have you considered? Or what have we learned from this that would allow us to do it better next time? Or how, how could you get the work done on time? What, what are some resources or ideas that would enable you to do that? So again, not only, I think many of us don't know how to ask questions, and if we do ask questions, they're negative questions that uh, lose energy rather than create energy. Oh, that's, that's a great distinction and a guiding light there. I guess I'm also imagining these conversations, how they unfold, is do they ever seem patronizing, and how do you avoid that? Like, I, I can imagine part of it is just your tone of voice, like if you say, now, how could we get you to appear at work on time? It's a little bit like, okay, buddy, I don't like you. <laughs> but yeah. so, so are there any kind of particular practices or things to bear in mind as you're doing this question approach? Well, I think, for example, we took someone who's always late. That's, I think, a good example. It may happen frequently. Or why don't they get the work done in time or the quality of their work is not very good or they're not a very uh, you know, valuable member of the team? And so there's a number of, of things. So I think if you ask the right question where they see the benefit for them, you know, and, and so they have to, you have to help them understand what your needs are or the organization's needs are. So, you know, you ask the question, well, what are, if they're late saying, well, what are some of the challenges we have if you or other people are late? Or what are some of the ways in, in which your colleagues suffer because you're not able to, you're not there and they don't. And so you, you ask, 
open-ended questions that get them to be aware of the result or the consequences of their current situation. And then you ask questions, well, so what would be the benefit if you were to be on time or if you had your prepared for our, our meetings or whatever it would be? And uh, so you have to always kind of get questions, help them be aware of the consequences, because sometimes we assume that they know what they are doing, that they're always belittling other, other people or their people to uh, uh, see them as, as being patronizing or dominating or they're not aware that they turn off people in some way or they think their quality of their work is okay. And so if you can help them through your questions be aware of what is happening and the consequences of, of their, what is happening and then ask questions that they can see the benefit of changing then that is when you see behavior occurring, change occurring. Okay, well, that's that's fun. And and I'm thinking about these open-ended question points. I don't remember where I read this. Uh, it was some business book or maybe Harvard Business Review, but the executive posed a question, and the question was, what question do we need to ask next? And I thought that was an eye opener for me because like this executive not only did not have or state the answer, she didn't even state the question. So, but I thought that's, that's kind of meta, but also pretty powerful. It's like, we're all thinking hard collectively about what the question should be to, to focus our needs. Have you seen that one in action? And do you have any comments on it? Yes. And when I uh, did my research for the book, there were several, you know, five or six different leaders who, when he asked, well, what questions you ask, one of their final questions, they said, when we work on something, I asked this final question, are there any questions we have not asked? Mm. Because oftentimes people are afraid to ask what might be a very important question. And it kind of goes to the, uh, the story of the Titanic, in which, you know, as we all know, the Titanic was called the unsinkable Titanic, and it sank on its maiden voyage. Right. And uh, so they had a person go to the to these engineers who built the ship and asked them, did you think this ship was unsinkable? Because, you know, that's what was marketed. And the the captain of the ship did not worry about going through the icebergs right through the middle. And, and, and the passengers were not concerned about having insufficient number of lifeboats. And yet 1,400 people died because none of you engineers uh, you all thought the ship was unsinkable. So he said, did you really think the ship was unsinkable? <laughs> and every single engineer said, no, I did not think it was unsinkable. You get a, a big enough iceberg at a certain angle, uh, every ship will sink. Right. And so uh, this uh, commissioner then said, well, why didn't you say something or ask a question about to the other member of the group, you know, well, what happens if a, if the ship hits this big an iceberg at this angle? No one asked that question. And the, the reason is that one of the great fears we have in life is the fear of asking a dumb question. Right. Because we'll lose respect to the people around us. They'll say, well, who let Mike into our group? We thought <laughs> he was a pretty bright person, a pretty skilled engineer or whatever. So it's safer not to ask a difficult, a risky question. And uh, so we don't. And so that's why this question. So does anyone have a question that we've not yet asked? Because that may be the question that might save the organization or, or save 1,400 lives. But it's a very common 
you know, it happens in organizations every day, everywhere in the world where people have, they, they have some doubt, but they're afraid to ask a question to see if that doubt is held by others or only by themselves. Oh, that's that's nice. I can really see that situation. It, it's really coming to life there. So we talked about the, the content of the questions themselves. Uh, can you also share a little bit about some of the, the framing of the questions or the timing of the questions? You mentioned in organizations that have to innovate in certain times. That, that's right. kind of one scenario. What are some other just fantastic times to, to focus in and, and ask lots of questions? I think any time is an opportunity for questions. To me, any time you make a statement, you may be losing an opportunity to be a leader or solve a problem or develop a relationship. And there's different types of questions, so depending upon the situation, but there are some questions which are exploratory. You have to get more information. There are some questions which you are making some connections to among them. There are some which are uh, effective, you know, trying to get people's energy or, or feeling about something. Uh, there are some that are analytical some are systems questions, trying to get a big picture. And questions, I say, what you try, open questions are necessary, particularly at the creative stage. You're trying to be sure you, you're getting the big picture, you're understanding everybody's perspective when you want to get a wide ch- choice of strategies. And then there will be points at which you've got to make some choices and you have to have closed questions that help the, the group make some decisions, make specific strategies and so forth. So there really is no, it's not so much having the right words because some question might be a how, what, who, when, where, and so forth, but it really depends upon being fully present, listening to what is being said by the other person or what the environment is telling you, uh, knowing where you're trying to go as an individual or as an organization, and asking the question that gets you information and then carefully listening to that response and build a question from that response. Mm -hmm. I do an activity uh, when I do this Leading with Questions workshop, uh, which we call seven questions. And the first question, and I put groups into twos or threes, and I give them the first question. I ask each person who's the questioner, ask the other person, what is something that he or she is most proud of in their life? What is their greatest success? Mm And then based upon that response, they have to ask six more questions, each which is built on the response to the the question that they ask. And I tell them that you will change, you have the ability to change that person for the rest of their life if you can build seven questions based upon what that person has said. And and I've seen it happen hundreds of times that if you have the ability to listen carefully and dig deep, by the time you get to your fifth or sixth question, you're going to ask a great question. And we know great questions are those that change a person for the rest of their life. I would just love to to see a seven-question dialogue sequence back and forth. Can I find that somewhere on your website or book excerpt? Or yeah, where can I see you, that come to life? Yeah, certainly, you know, it, the, the activity in our, when I do the uh, workshops and leading with questions, it's one of the slides that we use. And, and now we don't have, I don't have examples of the seven. I, I do it and I say it, it works marvelously every time you do it. But I've, some of it you, you have to keep confidential and so forth. Right. And you bring up a good idea. I should uh, ask someone, you know, uh, 
first you'd have to be recording it because it's difficult for the questioner to remember his or her seven questions mm -hmm. and a question. So you'd have to have either an observer or a recorder to write them down in a, you know, while they are occurring and then get the approval of the person. But that is, I think, a good idea, and I will get a few of those on the website. Oh, oh yes, and, and please let us know when, when that's handy because we'll, we'll certainly link to it because it, it sounds powerful. So fun. Well, will you tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover off before we shift gears and, and talk about some of your favorite things here? Well, one of the things I like to chat, I also, when I do my workshop, I like to give the, uh, the story of Einstein. As I say, he was a great questioner, and uh, we are all born great questioners. Einstein was a great questioner, and he also played the violin, and he taught children how to play the violin. Hmm. And Einstein said, you know, the, the folks around Einstein said, no, Albert, you're a genius. Why are you wasting your time teaching children how to play the violin? You should be in your laboratory coming up with some great theories. And Albert Einstein said, it's not a waste of time. The reason why I like to teach children how to play the violin is because they ask such great questions. And mm. Einstein said that the main difference between him and other scientists and physicists and so forth is that he could still ask questions like a child. And his great question, which I mentioned earlier about E equals MC squared, he got the idea for the question when he was riding on a train in Bern, Switzerland. And the train passed another train coming the opposite direction. So he asked the question, what would it be like if you were at the front end of a light beam and you crossed another light beam going at the speed of light? What would that be like? Right. And that's the question that chi a child would think of, not a scientist. And so all of us are born, from the time we are born, we, are, we, we ask questions. And initially, the questions are in our mind. So every time, all children have two major challenges or problems when they are born. That is to learn how to walk and learn how to talk. And they don't learn that by someone teaching them, parents teaching them, now you say this word or this grammar or move this leg first or whatever. They learn it through a what we call an action learning process of taking an action and asking a question about it. Mm. So every child, when every movement they make, their subconscious says, how can I improve this movement? And they make a sound, and their subconscious says, how can I improve the sound so I can eventually talk to those people around me or get the candy I want to reach? And so when they reach the age of 18 months or 20 months, they are now able to verbalize their what was going on in their subconscious. And they start continuing to ask questions because they love to ask questions. They ask great questions. And then... Their parents tell them, no, stop asking so many questions. You're oh, driving no. me crazy. I don't have time. The teachers tell them, stop asking questions. So most children, and this is a global phenomenon, they all love to ask questions as soon as they can start speaking. And before, you know, within three to six months, they stop asking questions because parents say, you don't have time for them. There's stupid questions. You're embarrassing our Uncle Joe or whatever. So I'm a grandfather now. And I have eight grandchildren. So the, one of the most important things in my life as a grandfather is to undo the damage that my children do to my grandchildren. <laughs> You're on the record. <laughs> I tell my grandchildren, Grandpa loves questions. You can ask Grandpa anything. <laughs> and they come up to Grandpa and say, why is your beard white? Or why don't the clouds fall? Because they love to ask questions. And I don't want my, my children to destroy or limit that great 
love of questions, and in my belief that the most important skill of life that will make you a great person and a great success is asking questions. And when I sign my book, you know, uh, the, when people come out and ask, ask for an autograph of my book, I always sign it with, with the following. May your life be filled with great questions. Lovely. Oh, that is a great reframe right there. And, well, I'm glad I asked the question about anything else we should discuss. Otherwise, you, you got great questions. Gyms. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so now could you hear about a few of your favorite things here, maybe starting off by hearing about a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Well, some of those quotes I've given you, I, yeah. I found, you know, over life, the, the, the quotes from, uh, you know, about questions. I've given you the Einstein one or Drucker. I, did, I read one just recently, Eric... Uh, Schmidt, who's the uh, was the CEO and now the chairman mm -hmm. of the board, I think of uh, Google. He said, "We run this company through questions, not through answers." Lovely. And uh, you know, so that's uh, uh, and you, you find all these people who said, you know, the the power of questions. So I like those kinds of of quotes. You had uh, another great uh, uh, management theorist uh, who said that. The main difference between a leader and a manager is the leader is the one who asks the right questions. The manager is one who gets those questions uh, answered. And uh, but there's been a lot of great questions. Even you know the, the reason we got McDonald's is because uh, Ray Kroc asked the question, "Where can I get a good hamburger on the road?" Right. Well, fun. And how about a, a favorite study or piece of research? Well, I I enjoyed doing the research for this book, and I continue to do it. I continue to ask people for how they ask questions, and what kind of questions to ask. As I mentioned earlier, one of my interests is in this field of action learning, which, you know, how a team of people can quickly become an effective team and solve difficult, complex problems that may have never been solved before and still work well together, that they enjoy being a member of the group, the group gets smarter, and they, they achieve their purpose. So I continue to do research on how we can improve problem-solving groups and, uh, and how those problem-solving groups can develop people while they are in the act of, of solving the problem. And there's been some great research uh, coming out over the past uh, few years. There's one just I read last week about some professor in, in, uh, in Canada who looked at how, through questions, you develop people to become authentic leaders and become more mindful and, and did a, a fairly powerful, what we call a quantitative pre-post mixed method uh, methodology to prove the, the power of questions. Oh, lovely. And how about a, a favorite habit or personal practice of yours that you found has been effective in boosting your effectiveness? Yeah. Well, as I tell people, the power of questions is not having the answer, but asking the question. So if you would like to be more effective in any part of your life, you just ask yourself the question. So you would say, I'm going to be having a business meeting this afternoon. And you ask the question, how could I make this a great business meeting? Or uh, you're going to be working on with your, your, your wife on some project. You say, well, how can I make this a good conversation with my wife? Or you're, you're working on some project or another and if you ask yourself the question, it goes into your subconscious and your behavior can change without you even being aware of how or why you do this. And the way to, to, to kind of demonstrate how that works, if, for example, Pete, I was to ask, you know, we, we say we were at a, 
cocktail party two weeks ago. And we met this morning and I said, Pete, can you think of the name of that person that we met at that cocktail party two weeks ago? And neither of us can think of it. You can't think of the person's name. And we continue our conversation. And 10 minutes later, you say, oh, yes, I remember that was Joe Smith or Ernie Ernesto or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how could you come? We were busy talking, but your subconscious was searching for the answer. And so if you ask yourself, you prep yourself with questions, your subconscious will help your body, your skills and so forth emerge. So it's a very powerful technique and it's very simple to do. Great. Thanks. And how about a, a favorite a nugget you share that fans really resonate with in terms of they retweet it or they start taking a lot of notes or they it gets a lot of highlights in the Kindle version of your book? Many different parts of the book that uh, I think people are, they, they want to look for what is, I think they, they like to know that there's a variety of questions, but I think what most excites people is the point I mentioned earlier is converting the disempowering or judging question to an empowering or learning question. When I ask them to come up with examples of disempowering questions in their organization, they have no trouble. It goes on <laughs> all the time. And then when I said, now, here's some examples of taking a disempowering question into an empowering learning question. And I give them some examples. And I said, now, can you take some of those questions you've just given me that were judging or disempowering and convert them? And they do that. And they're just amazed. Uh, this is a simple thing. And I can see now what would happen if I asked the question in this way rather than the way in which I've done it. So that has been, I think, one of the, uh, you know, when I talk about the book or do a workshop, that's the, the point where people, their, you know, their lights go on and they find it as a very valuable uh, skill they can easily take to, their, to the rest of their lives. Oh, cool. And, and how about a uh, best way to find you? If folks want to learn more about you and your stuff, where would you point them? Well, I'm the uh, the founder and president of an organization called the World Institute for Action Learning. That's where a lot of my writings and research and, and work around the world is. And so that's uh, very simple, uh, www.wial.org. W-I-A-L stands for World Institute for Action Learning.org. And you go there and you get many different uh, articles, uh, books, uh, resources, training programs. And, and these programs are related to action learning, but action learning is the single best way to develop the skill of asking questions. And it's the way in which all organizations solve problems, at least when they solve problems effectively, they naturally use this element of asking each other questions. So that would probably be the, the best source. You certainly anyone can, at any time could send me uh, to my email address, which is uh, MJMQ, M for Michael, J for John, M for Michael, Q for you know, Queen, at AOL.com. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions people may have about questions or about action learning as a methodology to develop the skill of questions. Oh, well, thank you for that. And how about a favorite challenge or, or parting word or, or call to action that you'd put forth to folks <laughs> seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? As we've discussed over the past 40 minutes or so, uh, to me, try to come up with great questions because if you can ask a great question, it will not only change the life of people around you, but it will change your own life. Questions have that power of changing anyone you ask the question, particularly if it's a great question, but it changes you. 
And so I tell, when I work with teachers, I said, great questions will make you a great teacher. Work with a social worker, I say, great questions will make you a great social worker. I work with parents, I say, great questions will make you a great parent or a great teacher. So that's my call to action is to spend time, think of, practice, work on coming up with great questions. Lovely. Well, we'll we'll do that. So, Mike, this has been so fun. Thank you for this, and I wish you tons of luck in all of your travels and consulting and helping people come up with better questions. Okay, thank you very much, and may your life be filled with great questions. Oh, it's like I got the book. Thank you. Isn't that interesting how anytime you're about to make a statement, you could ask a question instead so often, and maybe that will result in strengthening the relationship or coming up with uh, new creative ideas. So... I thought that was pretty fun, and I hope you did too. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the things mentioned, find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F37, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 